0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms.
1: Here's a word that we have in the English language, as faulty as it is, that is used in the context of who God is and how God is. And we have taken that word and we have ascribed it to a lower... (laughs) description of man, and I think that's a shame. God is awesome. God is the one who we are in awe
0: of. All throughout history, words have transformed in both their meaning and their usage. While many of these changes are perfectly fine, some of them have ended up being rather unfortunate. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on certain words being made common, that were once reserved to describe our holy, righteous, and awesome God. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 68 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Verse 13 Though you lie down among the sheepfolds, you will be like the wings of a dove covered with silver and her feathers with yellow gold. When the Almighty scattered kings in it, it was white as snow in Zalmon. A mountain, verse 15, of God is the mountain of Bashan, a mountain of many peaks in the mountain of Bashan. For David too, pen this is interesting because the mountain of Bashan is in the northeastern border of Israel, and it's the biggest mountain in the region, and its peak, the highest peak, is actually at Mount Hermon, which for those of you who went to Israel with us, you've seen Mount Hermon. Not Mount Zion. Mount Zion is more like a, a hill, very small but he refers to the mountain of Bashan. Verse 16, Why do you fume with envy, you mountains of many peaks? This is the mountain which God desires to dwell in. Yes, the Lord will dwell in it forever. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands The Lord is among them as in Sinai, another reference to Sinai in the holy place. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation, Selah. Our God, verse 20, is the God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. But God will wound the head of his enemies, the hairy scalp of the one who still goes on in his trespasses. The Lord said, I will bring back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that your foot may crush them in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from your enemies. Pretty uh, graphic. Verse 24, they have seen your procession, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers went before. The players on instruments followed after. He's actually talking about a... An account we're going to uh, talk about here in a moment. the players on instruments followed after among them were the maidens playing timbrels. Bless God in the congregations, the Lord from the fountain of Israel this is there is little Benjamin, their leader, the princes of Judah and their company, the princes of Zebulun and the princes of Naphtali, your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us, because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring presents to you. Rebuke the beasts of the reeds, verse 30, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples, till everyone submits himself with pieces of silver. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Verse 31 is interesting. Envoys will come out of Egypt. Ethiopia will quickly stretch out her hands to God. Some believe that this was actually fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, when all of these people were there in Jerusalem, and they, the Egyptians, the Ethiopians, and they all stretched out their hands to God. I was thinking about a reference in Isaiah 19 about how God declares that Egypt will be his people, the Egyptians. You know what that means? And actually the whole chapter of Isaiah 19 is very prophetic. We've talked about it in the past concerning Egypt. But at the end, Egypt will come to a saving knowledge of the true and the living God. Verse 32, sing to God you kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises to the Lord, Selah, to him who rides on the heaven of heavens, which were of old. Indeed, he sends out his voice, a mighty voice, ascribes strength to God. His excellence is over Israel, and his strength is in the clouds. Oh, God, verse 35, you are more awesome. There's that word again. Remember we talked about that. You'll forgive me for bringing it up again but I think that word awesome is reserved for God and not man and sadly it has been so overused that it's become profane and by profane I mean it's been made common that's what the word profane means is to make common here's a word that we have in the English language, as faulty as it is, that is used in the context of who God is and how God is, and we have taken that word and we have ascribed it to a lower (laughs) description of man. And I think that's a shame. God is awesome. God is the one who we are in awe of in awe. That's what the word means, to be in awe of Him. You are, and I like this, more awesome <laughs> than your holy places. Well, that's interesting, especially for those of us who just came back from Israel, and we visited all those places, all of those sites, and we're, and we're like, wow, this is awesome. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> God is more awesome than those holy places are. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. I love this psalm, and I'll tell you why. It's a psalm that David penned as a psalm of dedication, and it was during the time that he had brought the Ark of the Covenant back from Obed Edom. There's quite a story for those of you who are with us in our study through first Samuel. actually First Samuel five and First Samuel six have the account of what happened. It was actually kind of tragic. The first time they tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and they they put it on a cart with wheels God. <laughs> never told them to put it on a cart with wheels. They were not to transport the ark. And so then it it started wobbling, and Uzzah put his hand out, and God just killed him on the spot. And David was, I mean, mortified. And he sought the Lord, and he realized what he had done. And so the next time (laughs) They transported the ark. They did it the way that God had commanded them to do it. And so this is when David finally brings the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom back to Jerusalem where it belongs. And as he does, this is what this psalm is about. It's very interesting. As he does, he is dancing he removes his kingly garments and he's dancing and I I hope I don't jam anybody's gears here but he was dancing crazy kind can I say it that way for lack of a better way of saying it I mean he it was he was dancing and singing and praising unto the Lord in such a passionate way. And wouldn't you agree that David was a, a passionate man? He was a passionate man. What a, his personality type, and I don't mean to categorize him as we do in our day, but I just see this man as being a very passionate man. Very, very dramatic and very emotional. <laughs> emotional? He was an emotional man. And so now he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant. This is his dream. This is his dream. And he's bringing it back to Jerusalem, and he's dancing, and he removes his garments, and he's dancing unto the Lord. And when he gets home, and the account, by the way, if you want to, when you go home tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 6, uh, actually, pardon me, I think it's actually chapter 5, which I want to talk about here in a moment. So he gets back to his wife, Michal. Remember who she is and, and how she uh, was given to him in marriage? So this was Saul's daughter. And it was who Saul promised to give to the man who would defeat this uncircumcised Philistine, Goliath. And here's David, and and there were two things that, and this is not why David did it. David did it because he was blaspheming the name of the Lord his God, and that was not okay with him. So the things that King Saul at the time was going to give as a reward were his daughter in marriage, Michal. I don't know if that's a gift (laughs) or not. didn't turn out to be so much for David. And that they would never pay taxes again. I'll take that one. <laughs> so that was what David was rewarded with. So he was given Michal, the daughter of Saul, in marriage. Now we're told in the text, and we're given some details. It's really an, a fascinating account. So she's watching David dance from her window as he's coming into the city with the Ark of the Covenant. And this Psalm that were, and and the description of how they were all singing and praising God, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Zebulun, and all of the instruments. I mean, this was a celebration. And here's their king dancing. And oh, by the way, there's his wife looking at him going, are you kidding me? So boy, did he get it when he gets home. He walks in the front door. I mean, think about the high. Think about the high. He's he's just brought in on all of Israel is rejoicing and celebrating and praising and singing and dancing. And I'm sure they were dancing too. Just saying. Hope that doesn't jam some theological doctrinal gears. Actually, I hope it does. (laughs) Because... He's dancing unto the Lord. I guess the the way I could maybe compare it in a sanctified way is uh, hula dancing and even belly dancing. It's artistic, it's communicative, celebrative, you know? And so that's the kind of dance that he was dancing as unto the Lord. So he walks in the front door. Here's Macau going. Just, I can imagine the look on her face that only a wife can give. By the way, <laughs> and and all the air was just let out of. I mean, he he was just so deflated. And here's his wife going, "You made a fool of yourself, honey. What were you thinking? You you look like a commoner, and and you take off your kingly garments and all of the." Maidens are looking at you, dancing and making a fool out of yourself, half-dressed, no less. And it's interesting, David's response, and I make no mistake about it, I say David was an emotional, passionate man, but he was a man's man. (laughs) This was a warrior. This was a warrior. I wouldn't want to mess with this guy. He was a warrior. And so here's a man's man, and He says to her, You know, this is a very loose paraphrase. Again, I encourage you to read the account. He says, You know, the kingdom was ripped away from your dad and given to me. And I'm going to tell you something. I will dance even more, and I will even embarrass you more for the Lord. And you know what we're told at the end? Of this account, and basically we're not heard from her ever again. We're told that she would be barren, childless for the rest of her life. Now you've got to know in that culture and even today in the Middle East, if a woman is unable to have children, she is seen as having the curse of God upon her. Some Bible commentators suggest that that after that David, separated from her, would never uh, have any kind of sexual relationship with her, and she would remain barren for the rest of her life because of her criticism of David for his celebration of the bringing of the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now there's another part to this that's really fascinating and it's in 1st Samuel 5. Let me give you the back story before I read verses 1 through 5. Now I have to understand where the Ark of the Covenant was prior. It had been captured by the Philistines and it was just the beginning of their problems. <laughs> Here they have the Ark of the Covenant. Now you gotta know And remember that the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies, where the Shekinah glory of God was. In it were were the tablets, the rod of Aaron, and manna in the Ark of the Covenant, covered by the mercy seat. And it was to be placed in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, not the holy place, the most holy place. And the high priest could only enter the most holy place once a year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. That's the Ark of the Covenant we're talking about here. And the Philistines had captured it? Well, we got a problem. Because as long as they had it, they had problem after problem. Rats, and tumors, and sores, and plagues. And someone came with up with the wise idea, as we're going to read here in a moment, to bring it in to their temple. <laughs> Big mistake. Here's why. Verse 1, 1, Samuel 5, Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon. That's their God. And oh, by the way, Dagon, uh, you can search it online. Very interesting. It's a half man, half fish God. It's got the head and arms of a man and the body of a fish. That was their God that they worshiped. And so they have this statue of this half-man, half-fish God they call Dagon, and they're now going to bring the Ark of the Covenant, where the Shekinah glory of God was, and they're going to put it in the temple and set it by Dagon. Verse 3, this is what I love about God's Word. It's not based on a true story. This is a true story. This happened. When the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon, fallen on its face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. Picture this in your mind. Here's this statue of this man-fish god, like this, on its face on the ground before the ark. How appropriate. That's their God, Dagon. Dagon it. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. So, <laughs> they took Dagon and set it in its place again. Listen, you know you've got a problem when you've got to take care of your God. No, think about this. You've got to pick your God up off the floor and set Him back up. That's your God? Wow! It gets better. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon, (laughs) fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. Now, we got a little bit more detail here about what happened. So the head of Dagon and both the palms, (laughs) this is great, of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. So the rest of the chapter goes on to talk about how that all of these tumors come upon them, and finally they're like, get this thing out of here. Okay, if you insist. And so that's how it ended up getting from there to back where it belongs. And David brings it back to Jerusalem. There's one more thing here I want to mention about Dagon. It is believed that Dagon was the same God that was worshipped by Nineveh, the Ninevites. You have to understand something about the Ninevites. These were, ah, even the word evil and cruel and merciless doesn't even begin to describe who these people were. They would wait and stalk the Israelites, and they would attack at the end of the line, the elderly, the infirmed, those who were weak, and they would capture them. I'm sorry, but but this is what they did. I just want to give you an idea so you understand what happens when Jonah is sent there. And why, why it is, by the way, that Jonah doesn't want to go there. They would impale the Israelites and drag them and do, I mean, unspeakable horrors to them. That's what they would do to the Israelites. These are the the people that now God is going to call Jonah to go to. I guess he could probably liken them to ISIS, for lack of a better comparison. That's how evil they were.
0: Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor JD's teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor JD's Mid-East Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth,